What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Gator Tales. I am your host, Robert Williams, and today we're just going to dive into another story, uh, another Gator Tale, if you will. So, I, as a young man, uh, I was 19 years old, and some of you might be able to relate to this, but I had my grandfather had Alzheimer's. Uh, he was sick. He's kind of starting to go in and out of nursing homes and my grandmother needed some help and so I decided I was going to move up to Atlanta Georgia see my grandmother lived in this little bitty area a uh, little town called Forest Park which anybody who may listen to this from the Atlanta Georgia area knows that Forest Park is not exactly the nicest neighborhood in the world uh, and but you know growing up we would go visit every summer, and my grandmother lived there for a long time. I called her Nanny. That's my grandmother. That's what we call her, Nanny. And uh, we, she lived there for a long time. I mean, I remember growing up with all the boys in the neighborhood, and we'd see them every summer. And, you know, as kids, we never really realized that it was a bad neighborhood. But as we got older and older, we kind of realized it was. And, uh, you know, the neighborhood was kind of rough, but we moved up there. Uh, like I said, I was 19. This was 2003 or so. And uh, so we moved up there. And I remember, like I said, we'd go up there every summer. And I always see my cousin Tony. And my cousin Tony, he was always, quote, unquote, the one keeping me up on the hipness. Keeping me up on the what the, the lingo was and the words people were saying and the clothes that was wearing and the electronics that were hot and what music to listen to, and dude, I was just a simple old country boy. You know, I grew up in a little town here in Florida, and I, uh, I, I was just a simple old country boy. I didn't know nothing about that stuff. And uh, man, I remember one time, so I, like I said, moved up there, and <laughs> it was so funny. As I was up there, I remember looking around the neighborhood once I moved up there, thinking to myself, wow, I don't live in a good area. I mean, there's a there's a crack dealer over here. There's a crack dealer in this corner. There's a meth addict running up and down the road. A meth addict. Meth addicts. Oh gosh, that's methamphetamine central up there. Uh, and, I, and I was friends with some real, I mean, real thugs, real gangsters. Real, you know, no. And you know, it's just childhood friends. I didn't realize that they lived that kind of gang banger lifestyle. I, I really didn't realize it. Uh, but it was pretty regular where people would come in the yard with stolen vehicles or come try to sell me something because they wanted to go buy some crack or, you know, but that's the kind of, that's the kind of environment that we, that I grew, that my, that we lived in, you know, it just developed into that kind of neighborhood over time. So to a couple of the stories about it, <laughs> when I said my cousin Tony, when I moved up there, I remember one day we went to the store. So uh, we live right off this road called Richard Road. And uh, you, you ride around the curve and you go up this real steep hill and right across the street from the Piddly Widley on the left, there was a uh, there was a shell station. And I remember we went up there one day and we was waiting in line to get some gas. And this guy walked out of the store and he was just mean mugging my cousin Tony. If you don't know what mean mugging is, he was staring him down. I'm talking about eyes were locked together. Like, like you know how a tiger pounces on its prey and stares at it before it just attacks yeah that's the kind of staring they were doing 
And uh, my cousin Tony just, I swear to you, this is the exact conversation that happened. He goes, what's up? Guy goes, what's up? He goes, bet. Guy goes, oh, bet. Check. And I was like, and then they walked away. I looked at my cousin. I was like, man, what was that all about? He goes, oh, we about to go around back and fight. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I don't even know this guy. I don't even know this guy. You said two words to him. He said two words to you. How does that possibly equal we're going to go around back and fight? He goes, I said check. He said check. He said bet. I said bet. It's a check bet. We got to do it. If we don't, we ain't men. And I was like, well, I guess I ain't no man today. Because just check bet, that ain't no reason to go around back and fight. You absolutely crazy. And like I said, I had moved up there recently, but it didn't take me long to realize what kind of neighborhood I lived in. And, uh, and so I said, man, you crazy. If you want to do that, you got to run, just run me to the house. I'm going to stay there. And you come back and do what you want, but I think you're making a big mistake. He goes, you know what? You're probably right, Robert. So we go to ride off. <laughs> we go to ride off, and we're going around the back of the store and look over. Sure enough, sure enough, old boy had three of his friends sitting there waiting at the car. It, was, it looked like a gang initiation type jump-in type deal. Uh, I was like, I told you, bad idea. And you was about to go over there over some guy saying, check, bet. Man, I'll never forget that. I thought for sure. Man, I thought for sure we was going to die down that. Let me tell you another story about my cousin Tony. My cousin Tony, so whenever we, when I moved to Atlanta, uh, I worked in the fire protection industry, uh, like I still do today. So I worked in the fire protection industry, and I worked uh, in new construction. And at this point in time, I was just a helper, right? I hadn't been doing it very long. And uh, man, we was on like the sixth story of this building in downtown Atlanta on Spring Street. And look, we're sitting there arguing. We talking about uh, we talking about some rappers and who's the best rappers. And we talking about girls and we talking about just stupid stuff you talk about while on the job, right? And uh, I remember the guy that was his boss. His name was Robbie. He looked at Tony. He goes. I bet you won't rip Robert's pants. Now, I thought about that for a minute, and I told Tony. I said, hey, dude, straight up. You rip my pants, we're going to have a problem. Hey, dude, he just walks up. He says, oh, I ain't going to rip your pants. But then I turn around, he walks up, and he grabs my back pocket. And when I tell you he pulled my back pocket and it ripped my pants from my butt all the way down to the back of my knee, I'm dead serious. Now, mind you, we on the sixth story of a construction project, open walls, no windows. Uh, I grabbed my cousin Tony and I slapped the mess. I'm talking about slapping. And then he, he about goes out the window and he's like, I about went out the window. And I said, I don't, I don't care. I was trying to throw you out the window. How you gonna rip my pants? I can't even work for the rest of the day because you ripped my pants. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> he takes his pants off. He's like, you want my pants? And I'm like, dude, you can't take your pants off at work. He goes, well, I'm just saying, man, I feel bad now. I ain't actually mean to rip your pants, man. I was just trying to play around, and you was walking away at the same time while I was. Anybody remember the character Day Day on Friday? Look, my cousin Tony in this moment in time was talking just like Day Day was when he was talking about Baby D with all the cupcakes. Swear to you. Same exact conversation. I ain't mean to. I ain't mean to. 
Oh God, that was some, that was some junk right there. That was some junk. Man, look, my cousin Tony, I never forget it. Uh, he had a, he had one of his. Uh, I, he wasn't even blood related to him, uh, but he had this guy come over to the house that they, they'd known for years. His name was Jimpy, for what it's worth. And uh, man, hey, look, this is back in the heyday. This is back whenever you know we was doing stuff we really wasn't supposed to be doing. So <laughs> we go to this place to buy some weed. And anybody familiar with the Atlanta area, you might know a place called Hunter's Bay. Let me just throw it out there. That's what it was. And so we rode over to Hunter's Bay to get us a little bit of weed. And uh, I was like, hey, Tony, you know these people, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I know them. I know them. I know them. Because, look, where I came from, when you did stuff like that, you went to a person's house and you knew them. You know what I'm saying? This apparently wasn't the case. We rode to what they like to call the quote-unquote trap. And I didn't realize until we got there. That, that was the situation we were in. And so we ride by, and this old cat's looking at us, like, what y'all need? And we told him, and Tony gave him the money. He runs off. I was like, hey, man, where's he going with our money? He's like, it's cool. It's cool. We're good. He'll be right back. And sure enough, sure enough, here he comes walking right back. I said, Tony, something don't feel right. He goes, man, you just paranoid. I said, man, something don't feel right. He goes, Robert, you just paranoid. I said, man, all right. We get the stuff, we go to ride off. I promise you, we made two left turns in the apartment complex trying to get back out. Doop, doop. And there was Clayton County Police Department. And look, let me tell you, y'all, I don't know how to really explain this to you, but Clayton County Police Department is not somewhere that you want to end up jammed up in. Uh, it ain't nicknamed Clayco for nothing. Uh, they will put them handcuffs on you quick. And we learned that that night. Because, man, that cop pulled us right over, said, I know exactly what went on. That was my little snitch boy. I know exactly what you got. You might as well get out the car. He put us in handcuffs. We had to sit on the sidewalk uh, right beside the car. He, told, he ran all of our stuff. He said, if any of you come back with anything, you're all going to jail. Man... Man, what you mean we all going to jail? My record's not exactly clean at this point. My cousin Tony's record ain't exactly clean at this point. Gimpy's record, look, y'all, that fool was wanted. Y'all hear me? He was wanted. He didn't even, he didn't, he, he didn't stand a chance. I ain't going to give away his real name because I don't know about to this day. But I'll tell you what. Here's what happened. When he gave the police his name, it ended up being they just spelled it wrong. He gave them the correct name. But the way you spell his name, it has an extra letter in it. And, uh, and look, they spelled it wrong. And the guy was like, today is y'all's lucky day because y'all boys are going to get to get out of here. But I tell you what. He really sounded like that, too. If you ever come back through these parts, your ass is going to jail. <laughs> yes, sir, not a problem. We'll never be back to those parts. I absolutely promise. Oh, man, the things we got into with my cousin Tony. I'll tell you, one time, me and my cousin Tony, 
and another kid named KC. I said, kid, we were grown at this time. We 19, 20, 21 years old, whatever. Man, we riding around. <laughs> we riding around. And he goes, hey, y'all, I know where we can go hang out with these people at. Let's go. And uh, it was called The Bird. And look, I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all something. I, in my lifetime, understand that there are, and you, you, can, you can label this however you want to, however you want to, but it's the God honest truth. I understand that as a white man, there's certain places, if I go, I need to be careful because I don't belong in that neighborhood. No matter how many friends I have, there's certain places that I just shouldn't go, and I don't tempt that. I don't know how else to put that. I got friends of every color, race, creed, sex, and you name it, I got friends of that. But there are certain places in the world that I just should not go. That's all, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Well, this was one of them places, okay? This is one of them places. We end up at this place called the Birds, and when we get down there, as soon as we get down there, dude, there was a mob of fools standing right in front of us. And I'm talking about like 12 of them. And uh, they had pistols. One of them had, had a big old, like, uh, semi-automatic type gun. Not a machine gun, but, you know, not like an M16, but like a, a, a Uzi type deal. One with a long clip, like a, a, a not even a, yeah, something like that. But anyway, they stand in front of us, and uh, Tony goes, Boomerang! Boomerang! It's me! Look, he walked over there, he said, hey. I look, folks, I, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but y'all need to turn y'all's white ass around and get on up out of here. <laughs> Dude, I'm talking about we hit a 180 faster than you ever seen because, look, it was a guarantee. A guarantee. If we didn't know somebody there that day, we was getting robbed. We was getting robbed, man. That, hey, look, that's, that's real up there. That, it really exists. I mean, I, I sometimes I think to myself, how did I live in the neighborhoods I lived in? How did I make it? And you know what the answer to it is? Let me tell you what the true answer to it is. Even though I got some wild stories from living up there, the true answer to it is 99% of the people living up there were good people, dude. 99% of the people, even the ones they considered, you know, criminals or, and I'm throwing quotations up, but whatever you want to call them. Look, I hung out with these people. These people, they, they were all right people. They were people I, I would actually trust with my stuff. They were people that had my back. They were people that looked after my yard whenever I wasn't there. There were people that would help my grandma whenever she wasn't around. There were people that, you know, they were just, they were just, they were some good people at that time. They got caught up in some bad things, but there were some good people. And uh, I, I, man, I cherish your memories. I really do. Man, let me tell you another one. Another one, my cousin Tony, look, and this is me, my cousin Tony, that kid Gimpy I'm talking about. Uh, the girl who would become my wife, Miss Lynette Williams, mm, beautiful girl right there. Anyway, uh, and then some cats, one named Lil Brian, named uh, his brother Josh. Uh, we have White Mike. Uh, we had, and then some, just some other boys from the neighborhood. So that was probably like 12 or 13 of us deep. And uh, we had this great idea, y'all. So over on Moreland Avenue in Atlanta, uh, on the outskirts of Atlanta a little bit, near uh they used to have a drive-in there i mean i don't remember the name of the drive-in but they used to have a drive-in right there on moreland avenue well right behind it down the road and behind it a little bit there's an old psychiatric hospital uh and it's it, it's a straight mental ward from like 
it closed down in the 50s or 60s, and that's how old it is. Uh, and it was open for like 50 years. So we're talking about from the 1800s until the 1950s. Hey, look, let me tell y'all something. You want to walk into a place that feels creepier than you could ever be creeped out in your whole life, you go ahead and step foot up in there. You go ahead and step foot up in this place. Let me tell you now, it was one of the scariest feelings I've ever had in my whole life. But uh, we got there, and like I said, it was it was either Halloween's Eve or Halloween night, and I can't remember exactly. But we got there, and dude, as soon as we get there, all these people who's supposed to be so tough, we got pistols packed with us. We got, man, look, there's things going on that, that looking back on it wasn't very smart at all. But hey, look, we get in there, we start hearing noises. We start hearing stuff being thrown around. Everybody's asking, is that you? Is that you? Is that you? You better stop playing. You better, you better, you better stop. You, is that you? You, hey, you, hey, hey, you, hey, hey, you, hey, hey, you, hey, you better stop. Dude, we were all looking at each other thinking it was each one of us, but dude, nobody was doing this stuff, man. We walked through this asylum, this insane asylum, man. I promise you, there's, man, I believe in ghosts. I believe in stuff like that, and I'm going to tell you, that place is chock full of demons and ghosts and people who were tormented in life and just, man, the most eerie, eerie feelings you've ever felt in your whole life. They exist there. And uh, I'll never forget that. That was one of the craziest things we ever did. I don't, I don't really like reminiscing about that one too much because it was really scary. Uh, there was some real things there that really scared us. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me the absolute most is there was just glass on these doors and I promise you this glass was two or three inches thick and uh, there was nothing I mean there was nothing wrong with this glass but these doors were closed and uh, while we walking through we all of a sudden we hear a loud bang come from the inside of this room and we look at this glass and now this glass has a huge crack from one corner to the other. Almost, not perfect, kind of squiggly, but uh, I'll never forget that. That, because that, that, that bang, that, boom! That boom, that's the one that made us all run. We ran as fast, uh, we heard it, we saw it, we looked and we ran as fast as we could. I'm talking about, I didn't have to be the fastest one there. I just didn't want to be the last one there. I remember I was holding Lynette's hand, dragging her up out of that place. Girl, you better come on. I'm going to leave you sitting here if you don't come on. Oh, my goodness. That was just, man, the crazy, crazy times living up in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll tell you what. But I wouldn't trade it for a minute, man. Some good things happened up in Atlanta. Atlanta has a piece of my heart, and it always will. I, uh, I met my wife in Atlanta. I had some good friends out of Atlanta. I worked. I, that's where I got my my break in the fire protection industry was out of Atlanta uh, and we eventually actually moved to a place called Gainesville Georgia but that's another day another time talking about Gainesville but uh, I'll tell you what the crazy times of my cousin Tony looking back on those are some good times those are some good times some wild times but some good times but uh, i tell you what I hope y'all had enough of the gator tales for the day uh, if you could leave me a comment below or maybe you can tag me or share this video or Anything you want to do uh, to help just get it out there a little more, get it a little further out, I'd really appreciate your help and support. So, uh, man, I love y'all. Y'all stay safe out there and have a good one. 
Hey everybody, so this is Gator Tales with your host, Robert Williams. And, uh, you know, usually we talk about some funnier stories and all that good stuff, and I ain't saying say it's going to be sad or nothing, but today I want to talk about just uh, some things I've just been, been feeling lately. Just want to get it out there, see how many people agree with me. Hey, if you agree with me, give me a shout back. Uh, maybe a comment in the comments box, uh, maybe send me a message, uh, look me up on Facebook. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you can check me out. Uh, just shoot me a message. I appreciate it. Share this. Share this content, please. Uh, but anyway, so today I want to talk about life. Here's what happened. Over the weekend, I went and saw this guy speak. And uh, we're going to call him J.E. And he said a couple things that really rocked my world, that really had me just going, whoa, I, I love that, I love that. And so one of the things that he said that just had me thinking uh, was you can't change the world with spare time and pocket change. <laughs> I tell you what, that, that really hit me pretty hard. Uh, because I tell you the truth, me and my wife have always had dreams of doing things bigger and better and more wild and extravagant than we could ever imagine. Um, and we honestly believe that through the power of God that is possible. We do. Uh, we're the vessels and we just want to do, right? And so when he said that, man, it really hit me because, you know, obviously, like, I would say any decent human being, we give our time and money to something, okay? Uh, we happen to give ours to several things, our, our church, a few charities um, that we feel closely with, and, you know, and even though I put it on paper, and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, we give a bunch. It's still uh, just a piece of the bucket. And I promise y'all that I'll, I am the type of human being, I would love to make more money, not so that I could have more stuff, but so that I could give more stuff away. So that could help. Listen, I a dream that me and Lynette talk about all the time is curing leprosy in the world, right? So in the world, I believe there's like two and a half million people with leprosy. Uh, and of that two and a half million, the ones that have access to the $30 medicine that it would take to cure them is an unbearable number. They just don't have access to it. That breaks our heart that there's something out there that's 100% curable that they just don't have the money for it. And then when you think about the math, two and a half million times $30 a piece, we're talking $75 million. To a billionaire, that's not very much. 
to a billion dollar company, that's not very much. So how does something like that still exist? I don't know. There's hungry people in this world. I, baffles my mind that in 2019, there are still hungry people in the world. Boil it down, baffles my mind that there are hungry people in the United States of America. How? How is that possible? I, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I understand there's people out there that just don't work, don't have jobs, live off the government, this, that. You can point fingers at anything you want to. How is it possible that there are people who are hungry in America? There's no excuse you could give me that would be good enough. There's no words you could say that would be good enough. I just do not understand it. I will never understand it, and you can't make me understand it. Easy as that. How, how do we have veterans who are not taken care of, who have went to war to fight for the rights of this country, whether you agree with how somebody stands or not, guess what? That's what these men and women fight for. They fight for you to have the ability to have your own voice, to be able to have a voice. They fight for your rights. And if you don't understand how deep your rights run, you might want to check. You might want to look, because we have things in America that you don't have anywhere else in the world. How is it that these people, that these people do not have access to a regular flow of food? If they're homeless, a home. If they need a job, a job. If they need a recovery program, a recovery program. If they need help in any way, how is there not a safety net set up to help them? Because when they get back from war, when they get back from that, look, there's this thing that exists that's real called PTSD, and it messes with your mind. It hurts your mind. God, y'all don't know my story fully, and over time you will learn it, but let me tell you, PTSD is something I understand better than you would ever know. I suffer from PTSD on the regular. Have I found ways to cope with it? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. But it's a hard thing to cope with. How do we not have programs set up for these people? How do we not have that? How is their children without homes? How is their children without homes? It makes no sense. None. None. And you can boil it down for me any way you want to. I've thought about every number boiled down any way you want to ration it out. It makes no sense that we don't have these basic things for these people. Well, in step someone like me, I do not, I have an okay life. I, I'm not even going to act like I don't. I have enough to get by. I have a good job. I have a great family. I have plenty. I, I have income. I, I have enough. But there's people out there that don't. And those are the people. 
those are the people that I want to make more money for. I want to be able to give those kids that Christmas that they never got. I want to be able to give a mom and dad the ability to go shopping for their children without looking at price tags. I want to be able to give that graduation gift that they never thought they received. I want to be a building block in somebody's life. I want to be there to help them every step of the way, financially, emotionally, physically, mentally. I want to be there for them. I want to help them. But you can't do that on spare time and pocket change. You have to be willing to look out there every single day at any given minute and say, how, one, how can I help? What can I do to help? What can I do to make a difference in this world? What can I do to step up and do my part? You know, you think about crazy things, like if the, if the equivalent of every American gave $1 a day, $1 a day to America in a private fund to help America, we would raise $300 million a day Let's do the easy math. You multiply that by 300, what do you got? Anybody? I'll give you a second. Yeah. That's $90 billion. We could solve so many problems together. So many problems. So, spare time and pocket change. Well, I tell you, it does feel like sometimes that's all I've got. I work hard to provide my, for my family. I work hard to be able to give to the things that I give to. I, I was raised that way. I know no other way of living other than to work hard for what I get. But slowly but surely, I'm learning that working hard doesn't necessarily mean I've got to grind myself to death every day. <laughs> it's amazing whenever I started learning that. Spare time and pocket change. You're never going to do it. you got to be able to pour your heart and soul into it. I'm not saying up and quit your job and dump you know, all your life savings into it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to do something, if you're going to do something great in life, let's pick one thing. You know, I have a great example. I teach my kids. So over the past few years, I have three daughters. They're eight, seven, and five. And over the past couple years, we've done several things with them, from gymnastics to ballet to softball to soccer, basketball, cheerleading, all, all kinds. Of, I mean, we've done everything with them, right? Let them participate in everything. But the oldest one, I told her, I said, it's time to buckle down and choose one thing maybe two, but one thing for sure that we're going to work really hard at and be the best at. Not just be a jack of all trades. While that's a good thing to have, to be a master of one and then to be able to master something else, that's, that's the standard of excellence we look for. And so that's the idea. That just, that's the same thing I'm telling you today. That we need to master the one thing we want to do. You want to give more time to your church? Master it. Do only that. 
give all you got. You want to give more money to a special charity? Do that. Work more to give more. You want to, the, the, the possibilities are endless. But own it. Do it from the heart. Not your spare time. Make time. Not just when you can fit it in. Make time. Not pocket change. Not your leftovers. I give my first 10% to God every week. Every week. But that's just the standard. It's after that. Not your pocket change. What you have. What do you have to sacrifice in order to make someone else's day better, in order to make something else greater, in order to make something else grand? What can you do to fulfill your part? That's the question we ask today. Spare time and pocket change. The second thing that he said that made me go, oh, 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 you know what? You're going to have to just tune into the next episode to hear the next thing he said. There's another one. There's going to be a part two to this. Uh, but there is another thing that J.E. said that changed, that changed me, that got me thinking, that made me go, hmm, is that me? So tune in next time. I hope you all are safe out there. Love you guys. Y'all have a great one. Bye.